0: Farm Food Facts, where every farmer, every acre and every voice matter. This week on Farm Food Facts, we're going to discuss why game changing research, technology and innovation is critical to the future of farming and the food world and how you can become part of it. Welcome to the Farm Food Facts Interactive Podcast presented by the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance for Wednesday, January 30th, 2018. Today is officially National Croissant Day. Seriously. Our thought leader is Dr. Sally Rocky, the Executive Director of the Foundation for Food and Agricultural Research, or FAR. Our podcast will then continue with the discussion with Brett Kazen, PhD, who leads the sustainability practice at the National Pork Board, and is a pig farmer. Let's get started. Dr. Rocky, welcome to Farm Food Facts.
1: Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, your career spans being the Chief Informational Officer of the USDA, then on to the National Institutes of Health, and now the Executive Director of the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. With these decades of being at the Center for Agriculture and Health and Wellness, what are your goals for FAR?
1: Well, we're, um, having a very exciting time in our foundation. Our foundation is fairly new, created in the last farm bill, and we are really about the innovation space. So what we have a wonderful vision, and our vision is that we envision a world where every person has access to nutritious, affordable food that's grown on thriving farms. Yay. And as such, we're, we're, <laughs> we're looking to, uh, uh we're looking to, to face the great challenges that are in front of us in agriculture. So, for example, we have to feed 10 10 billion people by 2050. Mm -hmm. We have climate change, which is changing the way we produce food. And we have um, always increasing challenges that we have to face. And so what we're looking for is that innovation space. And we're trying to put together public-private partnerships to address all of these challenges. So we're really on that innovation forefront or the innovation precipice and uh, we're we 're trying to um, get all of the great minds across the world to work on problems of agriculture
0: and you 're doing it next week on february fifth you 're launching the first of a kind event in washington d c foster our future, cultivate, discover, grow. Now, besides our own CEO, Aaron Fitzgerald, you've got a stellar group of presenters. Congratulations. I was looking through the list. In looking at the agenda, you are focused on innovation, as you say, and bringing to the forefront the people who are leading this innovation. Tell me about a few of them and what they'll be doing.
1: So, yes, it's going to be an exciting event. It's really a first-of-a-kind in that if you want to think about it in a little bit different way, it's like a ag science fair for adults, and uh, we really, it's going to be so exciting and fun and interactive. So the idea is it's on Tuesday, February 5th at the Ronald Reagan Trade Building in downtown Washington, D.C., and uh, we're bringing together, as you mentioned, all sorts of people and Uh, exhibits and all of the exhibits are going to be interactive so when you come to the space you'll be able to uh, have some uh, fun and a virtual experiences for example we have a virtual farm you'll go on a field trip to a virtual virtual farm we'll let you uh, taste lettuce that's been grown without soil or sunlight and you're going to be able to control a weather station so there's all sorts of different things that you can do but on top of that we're just having fabulous people there so we're having four panels um, some of which are going to highlight the work that's done at our land-grant institutions. Some of it is going to highlight um, the public-private partnerships that we have put together. And uh, we're also going to look at uh, regenerative um, agriculture. And we're having some great people. So our our second award winner, uh, Rodolf Barangu, who is the winner of our uh, the National Academy of Sciences Prize um, is going to be there to talk about new technologies in, in genetics, and then we 're having many of our very young but extraordinarily um, bright uh, new innovators come and talk to uh, to the to the public and to everyone who's coming to the meeting we 're also having farmers there, so farmers are going to be able to talk about what they do and how innovation is helping. Um, agriculture.
0: Very important to include the farmers, no question about it. I want to I go back to something that you said early on about the interactivity of it. You know, I go, as many of us do, uh, to a lot of different events similar to what you're describing. And what's lacking is touching, feeling, tasting. Um, what, what you have typically is you've got a booth, you might have a scientist behind it, and what they want to do is talk or, or point to pictures and so on. So I really applaud your whole approach of, about making it interactive, because when I, when I see things like that, people really do learn, and it changes behavior.
1: Right, And I think also um, it lets people who would maybe not understand or know anything about agriculture have a little taste of it. So yep. they're going to both literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh, so they're going to be able to go in and see some of the 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 experiences that farmers experience or um, think where in see where how innovation has really changed agriculture and how it is very cutting edge and innovative right now, and is always changing, and is going to be um, even more innovative in the future. So that's what we want to talk about. Um, We're also talking about how innovation in agriculture is impacting not just the United States agriculture, but agriculture abroad as well.
0: That's great. Now, I know we're only a few days away from the event. If, If some of our farmers, ranchers, listeners still want to sign up, can they? Is there still room? And how would they do that?
1: Sure, we still have room. Um, you go onto our website, which is So that's www.foundationfar.org. And uh, you can find the first thing you'll see is a banner of how to register for uh, Foster Our Future. So we'd love to have as many people. We have about 500 people or so signed up now. And uh, we're hoping as many people who want to come will come. So yes, please. Um, if you're interested, go onto the website and sign up.
0: Great. Well, Dr. Rocky, thank you for all your great work at USDA, NIH, and now at FAR. You're making sure that our food world is at the cutting edge, and uh, we we all need that. We need your leadership. I look forward to having another discussion after the Foster Our Future, where you can share the highlights with us.
1: Love to do that. Thank you so much.
0: And now here's the food news you need to know. The government shutdown hurt farmers who were cut off from their federal lifelines. As the longest government shutdown in history ended last Friday, some farmers report that the shutdown is threatening their ability to buy seeds, land, and fertilizer in time to plant crops like corn and wheat for this year. The USDA did open many of the department's field offices for a few days in order to help farmers take care of any urgent business. However, farmers don't know when they'll be able to apply for the new loans that many of them rely on for cash flow through the growing season. This shutdown could not have come at a worse time for farmers, many of whom are actively trying to plan ahead for their 2019 crops. What grocers need to know is that the government shut down affected farmers and their ability to plan and allocate resources for the upcoming year. We don't know the effects yet on this season's production planning and yields, so stay tuned. On a brighter note, here's an update on how technology continues to help farming practices. Let's take a peek inside a high-tech small farm. The New York Times recently published a profile on Rivendale Farms, giving us a peek into their systems. While most ag tech is currently developed for large farms, scientists at Carnegie Mellon University are developing small robots and other technologies for Rivendale in order to create a boutique cutting edge farm enabled by technology that produces great food and able to be used by small independent farmers. Tech for large farms is primarily focused on increasing yields and cutting costs, but efficiency is paramount for smaller farms as well. Technology can also eliminate a majority of those tedious routine labor tasks, a factor that may help persuade younger generations to stay put on family farms rather than selling out. With Fitbit-like collars for cows that monitor their movement, eating and rumination patterns, robotic milkers, and automated greenhouses, Rivendale is showing how small farms can adopt ag tech to improve animal welfare and productivity on these small farms. What grocers need to know is with increasing population numbers and the threat of food scarcity, add to that the depletion of land and resources, it's more important than ever to explore new and evolving forms of agriculture, such as the technologies that can help us continue to farm smarter, not just for large-scale farms, but for smaller boutique-style farms as well. It's time for grocers to visit Carnegie Mellon and see just what is going on. And there's a new ag tech practice that's gaining momentum. Solar panels on farms could be a win-win. The Massachusetts agriculture industry is leading the charge in agrivoltaics, the practice of building solar panels on farmland to grow some crops and pasture animals while generating clean energy. At the University of Massachusetts Crop Research and Education Center, solar panels mounted seven feet off the ground provide room for farmers or cows to wander underneath. These panels are also separated by two to three foot gaps which allow light to reach crops like Brussels sprouts and rows of leafy kale. It's an unusual arrangement, but it's one of the preliminary examples of dual use solar installation. The setup and spacing allows crops to still grow around and beneath the panels. Why? It's to help farmers diversify their income through renewable energy generation while still keeping their land in agricultural use and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. This would seem like a great thing. You get to farm and use the same exact space to generate money from solar production, said Brad Mitchell, the deputy executive director of the Massachusetts Farm Bureau Federation. But he warns it's still in the early stages. What grocers need to know is the use of solar panels is an innovative way to generate clean energy for farmers as well as creating more space or making better use of existing space. As retailers partner with farmers, they need to expose their partners and help them achieve economic success through innovations like this. And while farmers are busy planning and cultivating their crops, here's what's happening in grocery stores. Igniting the senses may be the most powerful tool a brick-and-mortar store has to fight online shopping. Close your eyes. Put yourself in the center of the produce department of your favorite grocer. How do you feel? What do you smell? What do you see? It's aromatherapy that puts you in a better mood as you shop. And you'll spend more. Grocery Dive recently published the results of a survey conducted by Mood Media. They found that as consumers are increasingly test-buying groceries online, retailers have refocused their strategies to improve the in-store experience. Their efforts have paid off in recent years, as 86% of consumers are likely to have visited a brick-and-mortar store in the past 30 days. Progressive Grocer also highlighted the success of stores that provide a multifaceted sensory experience with sights, sounds, and smells. This type of experience engages customers in ways that are impossible to achieve via a computer screen. More than half of the shoppers surveyed by Mood Media said they would be more likely to buy something after touching, feeling, or sampling it. A personalized experience in stores pushed nearly 40% to buy a product. It's also notable that one in two Generation Z shoppers say video and digital content have influenced their in-store buying decisions. What grocers need to know is that the data shows us that a positive sensory experience is a large driving force behind the success of brick-and-mortar retailers, and that grocers will do well to utilize music and video as a means to entice and engage customers. It's time to connect and bring more farmers and ranchers into your stores in person, and through the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Virtual Reality Tours. And for our final news tidbit today, this is how participants in the supply chain can achieve a digital utopia. Supply chains and logistics need a digital transformation, and this is why. Participants in the supply chain are connected. However, they're not necessarily connected to each other or connected at the right times. But the emerging Internet of Logistics may change all that. These technologies, such as asset tracking systems, help reduce the challenges and the amount of effort spent in handover operations, documentation, and cargo validation. But for these technologies to deliver fully on those promises, it will require collaborative participation from all supply chain stakeholders. When relevant data is shared with the right counterpart in a timely manner, it becomes actionable, useful information. To automatically detect the position and status of foods increases the situational control, predictability of delivery, and quality of service. Cooperation, and yes, that includes blockchain, will provide a secure, flexible data exchange infrastructure and will have a long-term positive impact on the industry, especially when it comes to food safety. What grocers need to know is that all participants in the supply chain must become better connected and collaborate in order to truly benefit from this technology. And retailers must insist on all suppliers to be a part. And now it's time to head to the farm. Brett Kazan, pig farmer and the lead for sustainability practice at the National Pork Board, has a mission to strengthen the food chain and forge better consumer understanding of pork production practices. He's also responsible to develop research-based strategies to engage key decision makers. Brett, welcome to Farm Food Facts.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: With your dual role, both as a farmer And the sustainability lead for the National Pork Board, I'm sure your perspective has has changed a bit. Explain that to us.
2: Definitely. You know, we hear a lot about, and I've talked a lot about in my career, both as a pig farmer, but also in the academic world and in pharmaceutical business. And now here at the National Pork Board, understanding the whole food value chain and the importance of understanding. You'll hear the terms farm to fork. And so... We talk a lot about that, but as I've got into this role now, leading the sustainability efforts for the National Pork Board and working with a lot of retail and food service folks, boy, I really understand now more than ever the whole supply chain. I'm a pig farmer my entire life, and so I always understood the boots on the ground practices of raising pigs and high-quality pork but also being in front of the biggest retailers in the world now, too. I believe my perspective is new, different, and unique in that I truly work. <laughs> like this morning, I was working in the big barn, and I've had some calls today with some of our largest customers that consume our products. So I'm uh, probably as deep and wide as the whole value chain is uh, anybody today, and it's been fun.
0: So Brett, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Obviously, farm to fork um, has been the slogan of, of probably the past few years. Do you feel that whether it's being a pig farmer, whether it's a retailer, that we really need to to build on that and really explain what it means?
2: Yes, yes, we definitely do. And so you're comfortable with seeing all the messaging around that people today want to know more about where their food comes from. And that's true. There's lots of data sets that suggest that. Uh, But at the end of the day, the real magic or the utopia is is when we can figure out how to really connect those dots between the eater and the pig farmer themselves. And we've done that with multiple strategies here at the National Pork Board. But there's opportunity to evolve those activities. And it takes time. It takes uh, effort and it takes budget. But I think at the end of the day, really what we're trying to gain is public trust. And public trust runs two ways. And in order to do that, you have to create this transparency in the food supply chain uh, that customers are demanding and actually that farmers want to meet uh, to create that demand for the product moving forward.
0: Let me ask you to put on your your other hat, your research hat for a second. Um, What's the importance of of the research that's being done now? And does it positively impact farmers, uh, both personally as well as for the entire industry?
2: science is so important. And um, I'm not a big user of social media, so I'll admit that up front, but I am a limited user. But it is such a powerful tool, social media, when used appropriately. Mm -hmm. But Phil, I also see where it's been used negatively, where someone has a voice and they can amplify their voice and have a large following based on opinion, but not really based on scientific fact. So now, in my opinion, more than than ever, is the importance of practices based on scientific information. Now, as an academic that lived in the institution for 17 years as a PhD animal scientist, what we as researchers, I think, have done a poor job of is taking the science and actually turning it into sense-making. We have always felt as scientists that you put it in a publication or a refereed journal article, and that's the... Uh, the it end of the project. All you
0: got to do, yeah, and,
2: yeah, and most folks are not interested in reading the abstract alone, let alone the whole <laughs> right. journal article. So we've got to do a better job of continuing to say we're fact based. The decisions we make on farm and the supply chain should be based on science and not sensationalism. But we as scientists need to improve our ability to share the story uh, and make it make sense for the audiences in which we touch.
0: You know, earlier this week on Monday, matter of fact, um, I I had a conversation with a journalist from England who called me to ask me about, and I'm not going to go into the specifics of it because I, you know, that's not what's important. um, Asked me about a person who has a huge social media following who's created a new diet based on one particular produce item, no science behind it, nothing. And everybody there is up in arms. And and she said, you know, is what can we do to prevent these people, to your point, that have these huge social media following to say out there and say, oh, do this or buy my supplement or whatever. And, you know, it'll change your life. So, so certainly it's, it's something that we really need to reinforce how important the science is. And now as you're working across the entire, you know, food value chain, what can food retailers learn from farmers that make them better retailers, make them make better decisions, uh, better marketing, uh, better sourcing? Uh, what, what do retailers really need to understand from farmers?
2: Well, one of my favorite things about my job is no two, two days are the same. One day, I'll be at a pig farm. The next day, I will be with a a world-leading retailer. And as I tell those folks, whether I'm on the pig farm, I say, I represent you and the 60,000 cohorts of you in America that are raising pigs. When I'm in front of the retailers, I tell the retailers, I represent you today. So I really have the opportunity to connect pig farming to pork as a food. What I would say to those retailers is, really understand as much as you can the principles and practices that are farm related. I'm not asking you to be a pig farmer by no means. That's not your role or responsibility, but the awareness of how pigs are raised and why we raise them that way is extremely important to your business. Keeping in mind, if you make high level decisions from outside pressures and you react to a situation, you may set yourself up for defeat as a retailer not knowing that those on-farm practices cannot even be attained to help you meet your goals. More so as a retailer, take the ability as you're getting pressures from outside influencers to do what I say is respond. And you respond in a way that you go down the value chain, Go to the source of the protein and work with the experts that are producing that, called pig farmers in this case, and find that middle ground of where we can work together to solve these global challenges we face.
0: Great points. Brett, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your insights. Um, On a personal level, you've given me a very different view than when I was in my 20s selling four by four canned hams to the butchers in the Bronx terminal market. So, thanks
2: so much. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate this opportunity.
0: And thank you for joining us on Farm Food Facts. For more information on all things food and agriculture and to listen to our archives, please visit com under the Programs and Media tab. And visit us on Facebook at U.S. Farmers and Ranchers or on Twitter at USFRA. Until next week.